The Leadership Adventure. The Leadership Adventure. Changing the system rather than changing women. I want tomorrow's world to be girl-friendly. You can change the world in a day-to-day -day life from where you are. The Leadership Adventure. Welcome to The Leadership Adventure. The podcast that takes you through the highs and lows of being a leader in the 21st century. In this series, we talk to experienced leaders about their journey to success, inspiring you to make a difference and face the challenges ahead. I'm Olga Dudko, and I will be your host today. In this episode, we will talk about women in leadership. I'm joined today by Laurence Balleureau, International Project Director at Segus Group. Laurence oversees the management and leadership team that creates tailor-made leadership programs. She has been in training and skills development business for more than 10 years. She's a professional trainer, facilitator and coach. Hello, Laurence. And welcome. Hello, Holga. How are you today? I'm fine. Very delighted to be here with you. I'm also very happy to have you on this podcast. And I want to start uh, to tell you that I'm very grateful for your time. Thanks a lot for finding the time. And thanks a lot for this subject. You know, we have a lot of guests on this podcast. And you are one of the first guests who suggested this subject, who brought it up. And I'm really grateful for this because I think it's a very important topic to talk about. So let's start from the very beginning with the topic. Why did you choose this subject? Why is it important? Well, because I am coaching women leaders and we are training women who are becoming leaders and cope with difficulties to find their place. You know, I've never called myself a feminist probably because of my own bias. I think I started to be aware of the situation from when I became mother of a daughter because I wanted her to have a large panel of possibilities in life and I have always raised, raised her as, feel free to do it. If it's your dream, give yourself all you can to achieve it. And I am happy that she has feminine role models around her. She knows she can become the mayor of Paris, an astronaut, a doctor, an architect, those are some jobs she said she wanted to have. She's 12 now. So probably this awareness raised thanks to her and because of the future I want for her to be open. I want her and her girlfriends to have choices. I want tomorrow's world to be girl-friendly. So why is this topic important? First of all, you have noted that the, the title I choose is Woman in Leadership, not Female Leadership. Because leadership for women is not about how it's different. It's about how a woman can leave her own leadership. I don't think women are genetically programmed to be like this or that, but it's how, as a woman, how can I express, embrace, embody my leadership? You know, an Australian feminist said, feminism is not about making women stronger. Women are already strong. It's about changing the way the world perceives the strength. It's important because the society is changing. The Me Too phase has been important. Men have come a long way. Speech has been freed up. New areas of power are emerging. New aspirations for women and for men. Like, for example, the men's investment in their fatherhood. This is new. 
masculinity has changed also. I think it's time for the society to change. What I want to say also is that we may generalize in our conversation, but it's important to remember that we are all different. Not all the women are like that. Not all the men are like that. We are all different. Thank you, Laurence. You have just mentioned that uh, your daughter has a lot of role models now. And indeed, there are a lot of women in politics and business, a lot of role models that we see in everyday life. What about you? What are your role models? You're talking about politics. I think of a woman like Christine Lagarde. And by the way, talking about Christine Lagarde, I recently heard an interview where she was asked about her self-confidence. You know, women are often said to be underrepresented in leadership positions because they don't have enough self-confidence. And Christine Lagarde, she said, yes, I am short of confidence. And I talked with Angela Merkel and she said she is short of confidence also. It's the truth. And this is why we generally super prepare a file, a meeting. that We are briefed to the extreme. We know all the details. We do that much more than our male colleagues. It's so funny you should mention that because it made me think, you know, again, as you said in the very beginning, we will not, we will probably generalize a little bit. We are all different, but there are some observations that I made uh, working on this podcast, for example. I have men uh, joining the podcast, women joining the podcast. And, you know, whenever I invite a man to take part in this project, the first reaction is always, oh, it's so great. Let's do it. I'm ready. And when I ask, but do you want to, you know, sit down and discuss this subject? They say, oh, no, let's do it tomorrow. I'm completely ready. And they just, you know, go with this. As for women, I feel like sometimes they're a bit hesitant and The first reaction might be, I'm not sure, am I the best person for this subject? I don't know if my ideas are interesting. And when they do accept, you know, to take part and to um, talk to me, sit down and talk to me, they really come prepared, like very, very prepared. They research the subject. They think about different stories, about, you know, different like details. They will really, really put in extra work to prepare for these conversations. Again, it's a general observation, my personal observation, but this is interesting when, you know, it made me think when you mentioned uh, this example of, you know, Christine Lagarde and uh, Angela Merkel. What what you're pointing out is legitimacy and preparation. This is really something about woman leadership. So yeah, your observation is probably correct. So you talked about your female role models, Christine Lagarde and Angela Merkel. Can you give us some more examples? Well, maybe maybe Georges Sand. Um, we came from the same area of, in France, though, so Georges Sand is a family heroine. Um, you know, she had to change her clothes, her name, to be able to write and to become the woman she wanted to be. I would think also about maybe Camille Claudel, Anne de Bretagne. But also, you know, I think leaders are all around us. And it's important to see them. You can change the world in a day-to-day life from where you are. So I would maybe think about other role models that are more, well, not that famous, like Angélique Ducoudray. You know, she, she decided to professionalize the midwifery job so that women can help other women to give birth at a time when women didn't go to the university. Or maybe... Like someone like Teresa Davila, uh, she's the first woman to be doctor of the church, and she had such a deep influence on European church and Catholicism. Or Jeanne Nevrard, 
Do you know her? She played the violin from childhood, and she realized that she was always the only woman on the stage. So she decided to create her own orchestra, only with women. And thus, she became the first orchestra leader. Thank you so much for all these examples. There are really indeed a lot of role models around us. And as you said, not only famous female role models, but also, you know, everyday people that we see every day around us. But still, unfortunately, I feel that women are still underrepresented in leadership positions. Why do you think it is so? Oof, big question. Many reasons. First of all, we often talk about the glass ceiling, but I don't think it's correct because the glass ceiling fails to incorporate the complexity, the variety of challenges that women face in their leadership adventure. In truth, women are not turned away only when they reach the penultimate stage of their career. They disappear in various numbers at many points leading up to that stage. And there are many subtle reasons, like, for example, many organizations are still made an old way, you know, with work practices designed to fit men's life and situation at a time when women made up only a very small portion of the workforce. When you got important meetings at the end of the day, for example, that might be a reason. Also, the fact that informal network is a very precious source for would-be leaders. But you rarely see women spending time and energy in building a professional network. Research indicates that organizations tend to ignore or undervalue the behind-the-scenes work, you know, like building a team, avoiding a crisis, which women are more likely to do, while rewarding heroic work, which is most often done by men. And then you got a, a vicious cycle. Men appear to be best suited to leadership roles. But also because in most cultures, Masculinity and leadership are so closely linked. The ideal leader, like the ideal man, is decisive, assertive, and independent. In contrast, women are expected to be nice, caretaking, and unselfish. So the qualities that are expected in leaders are not the ones that are expected in women. And if a woman is assertive, she might be called aggressive. Many women leaders struggle to reconcile qualities people prefer in women, like compassion, emotional intelligence, intuition, and qualities people think leaders need to succeed, like assertion or control. And in our today's world, we do need emotional intelligence. We do need intuition in this VUCA world. I have so many questions. I was just listening to you and thinking, this is so true when you mentioned that many women leaders struggle to reconcile on one hand, you know, these qualities that are required from a leader and uh, the qualities that people prefer in a woman. It's difficult to reconcile, to be kind of a nice and soft and at the same time uh, be decisive and, uh, you know, show control. Does it mean that we, or as a training company or to succeed as a woman leader, um, there is a specific set of skills required. And you as a coach, you are a professional coach, you coach women. Do you see differences in um, coaching women and coaching men? Well, yes, women in coaching often need to be reassured on their legitimacy in their role, on their ability to take risks also. Of course, I think it's important to get support to get a voice coaching if you can't talk loud because most managerial work happens through talks, like you know, meetings, presentations, negotiations, and so on. And it's through talks that leaders are evaluated. And by the way, if we talk about the way of talking, woman's style is different and the consequences are subtle. For example, women may use we 
rather than high to describe accomplishment. But this can generate doubts like, should we trust a speaker for future accomplishment? Or when they act modest because they don't want to seem too boastful, you know, this is a bit the way we do, can be interpreted like a lack of confidence. Or also, and it happens with us, when women are apologizing, we say we apologize too much, we apologize for something, like for being late or whatever. Well, we may appear like lacking authority. So we see through those examples that the premise is that women have not been socialized to compete successfully in the world of men. So they must be taught the skills and style their male counterparts acquire as a matter of course. How women are perceived, how they dress, how they talk, their executive presence has been the focus of many efforts to get more of them to the top. Voice coaches, image consultants, public speaking instructors, branding experts, and yet, only three women are at the head of the CAC 40 group. In an interview with members of Hillary Clinton's press corps, a veteran reporter noted, the story is never what she says as much as we want it to be. The story is always how she looked when she said it. So it's not what she said, but how she said it. And Hillary Clinton said she doesn't fight it anymore. She knows that. She just focuses on getting the job done. So... With all those obstacles in mind that you have just mentioned, from your point of view, what is needed to empower women? Well, training women is essential, but it's surely not enough if their self-development is not supported by systemic development. It will create more unhappiness, frustration, a temporary sense of personal well-being often meant to fuel a sense of inadequacy, of not to be part of. This is what is called the second-generation sexist bias. They're invisible buyers. Invisible not only for those facing them, but also for those erecting them. Normally well-meaning organizations that think they've done all they can, having promoted training and coaching programs on unconscious prejudice or women's leadership, but who have missed a step in collective cultural reflection. In these organizations, there may no longer be blatant discrimination or everyday sexism, but there remains a feeling of disconnection with male colleagues, a feeling of exclusion from key positions. Second-generation bias is also that few female leaders mean few role models, and that can suggest to young would-be leaders that Being a woman is a liability, and thus discouraging them from viewing senior women as credible, credible sources of advice and support. Some solutions exist, and again, they should be applied all together. It's not one or the other, it's all together. First of all, I think we have to educate women and men about these unconscious biases. This is so important. And about these second generation biases also. And to work on biases in the evaluation system, in 360s, in so many tools that we're using every day in companies. We must, for example, evaluate and reward work by objective results, not by the numbers of hours at work. We should use open recruitment tools to hire leaders rather than informal social network. Again, women spend very little time and energy in socializing with colleagues or building professional network. I think it's important also to give women demanding developmental job experiences to train them for leadership position. That means not wait for the last stage of their career to promote them. Maybe also establishing family-friendly HR practices like flex time, no meeting after six and so on. We should also look for skills really required in a role. 
not ideal skills. We know that women only apply if they tick all the boxes, while men can apply even if they tick a minority. Creating women's community also can be a good idea. Communities in which women can develop collective responses to a whole series of signals from a leadership model that implicitly does not invite them to occupy space. Like you don't make yourself visible, you need to say no more often. Also, maybe never put only one woman leader in a group. Rethinking leadership models. Equipping ourselves with inclusive models that embrace complexity. Inclusive leadership allows everyone to be themselves with their own values reinventing themselves more gently. We could also anchor women's development efforts in a sense of leadership purpose rather than in how women are perceived. Anchoring on purpose enables women to redirect their attention toward shared goals and to consider who they need to be and what they need to learn to achieve their goals. So yes, training women, but training men also, changing the system rather than changing women. I love it so much, so, so much. It's true the, there is no one single solution. There is no one thing you can do to empower women. I'm very happy that we are part of this training world and we do contribute, you know, training is important part in empowering more women, but it's not enough. This is true. So if you could give um, some pieces of advice to women who want to become leaders, who want to have this confidence, who want to be more decisive in life and um, in their careers, what these pieces of advice would be? For a young lady who wants to be a leader, I would say believe in yourself, believe in your dreams, detach yourself from other people's opinion. I know it's very difficult, but that's so important. You're the only one to have power on yourself. Develop yourself the way you feel is the best way for you and refuse to believe that you cannot be both compassionate and strong. And I would finish with this inspiring quotation of Judy Garland. Always be a first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of someone else. So be the woman you really are. So inspiring. Thank you very much, Laurence, for this conversation. I've learned so much today. That's it for this episode. Join us next time for more inspiring stories and tips on how to win at being a leader. Until then, goodbye.